Welcome, everybody, to the first QSource podcast hosted by Professor Z. Now, Salt Lick, when you're listening to this, I bet you're saying, why am I not surprised? However, for those that I don't have a working relationship with, my passion in life is people development, is meeting people where they are, finding not just one way, but multiple ways to share lessons, to be curious, and to inspire. So this week, Salt Lake had asked if I would be willing to do and lead the the Q source, which of course, absolutely. And as I'm thinking about our ruck tomorrow morning that we're going to be engaging on, I felt the need and really the desire to, let's try something new. So we're going to give this a shot, and I'm going to look forward to all of my F3 brothers out there to give me feedback. Tell me what you think. Do you like this? Do you not? Does it make it easier to stay connected? Because I can tell you, recording these and studying and learning and sharing is truly a passion of mine and one that I would uh, take pride in and really enjoy doing if it's going to provide value to others in our group. So let's just dive into it. The topic for this Q source is prayer, and the specific title is A Virtuous Leader Must Have Faith. So what are we talking about here? And this is really the third component of the fourth quadrant. And this quadrant is on get right, which is a man's right relationship with his creator. Now, as we think about getting right and developing those relationships, I want to pull this back from a religious viewpoint right now and say, think about the connections that we have within our F3 group. How do we develop those relationships? We develop them through conversation. We develop them through experience, through fellowship. We spend time together regardless if we've had previous experience, even from the very first time we meet each other, we push each other, we challenge each other, we support each other. We're willing to be right and hold ourselves accountable to each other. And so as you're thinking about the lessons that we take away today, I want you to keep that in mind that there are many ways that we can be right, and I encourage you to constantly be asking yourself, what do I need to do to get right? Now, bringing this back into our lesson for today, what we're really getting at is the pursuit of proper personal alignment. One of the ways we can do that is through prayer, prayer to whoever we believe our creator is. When we think about getting right, we know that fitness is the first component. It's a man's right relationship with himself through physical fitness and gesture resistance. Fellowship is the second component of the get right. It is a man's healthy relationship with the people in his concentrica. While fitness is largely inward seeking, fellowship is the outward seeking act of accelerating relational rhythm. I'm gonna say that again. Fellowship is the outward-seeking act of accelerating relational rhythm. 
Now, this takes daily discipline and attention, as it does to maintain physical fitness, more so because it requires collaboration with other people who we may have the opportunity to influence, yet will never control. Again, it requires collaboration with those that we have the opportunity to influence, yet will never control. Now, faith is the third component. Faith is a man's right relationship with his creator. A man cannot live, lead, or leave right unless he is accelerating this relationship along with his fitness and fellowship. I want to say that again. A man cannot live, lead, or leave right unless he is accelerating this relationship along with his fitness and fellowship. And he'll do this in three ways, through prayer, study, and meeting. Now, I, again, I want us to think about how we do this. What does this mean for you? How do you interpret and how do you bring this to life? And that is a, a challenge, that is a quest I offer to you. So what are our options and, and how do we proceed forward with this? Well, what I appreciated in this lesson is they talk about the idea of a mascot. What is a mascot? Mascot is somebody who can fake his faith. Maybe this is through mere attendance at church, synagogue, mosque, or by mouthing of whatever pious-sounding dogmas that accompany his self-proclaimed or goo-driven worldview. If we think about the value and the role of faith, I think we have to acknowledge the fact that it's easy to do so. It's easy to be able to say, I'm a man of faith. I'm a man of God or whatever. But the reality and the truth behind it lies inside of us. How do we want to be that example? How do we? Do we want to be a mascot? Somebody who can talk a good game? Somebody that can say the right things? Or do we not want to rely on our words, but rely on our actions? Where's the value? Where's the depth and where is the connection? Is it through words or is it through our actions? I would make the case that our actions speak louder than words. Now, you know, this is something that I think we've all heard that actions speak louder than words. However, how do we bring that to life? Again, I think many times in our lives, we become so burdened or tied up due to busyness or other distractions. It's easy to say, I will do this. It's easy to say, I will, and then fill in the blank. Yet, it doesn't really matter what we say unless we're willing to act. I'm going to make a connection here, then I'll bring it back to the lesson, but I put this very closely to how we develop trust. I want to be able to know that I can trust you. I want to know that you have my interests in mind that you are willing to commit to me just like I am willing to commit to you. 
if you think about what F3 is about, our fellowship, our faith, it requires us to develop and to automatically trust those around us. So I want to encourage you to think about this idea of a mascot. Where are you? Are you the one standing on a corner saying, look at me, look at me? Or are you the one who is willing to show up through your actions? You know, regardless, we need to know the truth so we can live it out. And again, there are multiple ways simply, that we can find what will happen truth. when I die. The second is what does that mean about the way I should live? And I would ask you to think on that for a minute. What is our purpose? What is it that we should be doing? If we aren't willing to think about our actions, the value, the appropriateness of such, then what are we doing? In the workplace, I may ask leaders, why do you do what you do? And I think that question applies in this situation. Why do you do what you do? Why do you show up the way that you show up? Is it to be the mascot? Is it because you believe there is value and opportunity in your actions? So why do you do what you do? And what does that mean about how you should live? You know, these, this is a sense of an awareness here. We all are going to have a different answer. This isn't something that we should be simply saying, hey, what is your what? What is your why? Oh, I like that why. I want to use that. That's not what we're getting at here. We all have a why. We all have a purpose. And what is that purpose? There are many ways we can find it. We can think about our, what are our passions? What are the, what are the uh, elements of our life that give us the most joy? And how can we use that to the benefit of ourselves and our family? And how we lead those that we are closest to. Now, for some, this may actually lead to a realm of confusion that could pair us into this state of anxiety. And I appreciate how the lesson for today, the subtitle is Prayer is a Prose Antidote to Anxiety. So, we know that all men are subject to the emotions of fear and worry. And is that okay? Is that a good thing? Is fear and worry a good thing? What situations would say that this is an advantage? And what situations would you say, no, actually, that is only going to hurt me. That is only going to hurt the work that I do. But... Like all good things, fear and worry can become so excessive that they interfere with our daily lives, that they can take over. So, as the lesson states, we have four options when anxiety threatens to overwhelm us. One, we can surrender to it. Number two, we can confront the emotion. Number three is we can seek help in battling it from another man. Or number four is we can pray. 
Let's look at these options. And here's what we know. Option one doesn't work. Simply surrender, surrendering to anxiety, to fear and to worry is not going to work. Men who surrender to anxiety as a permanent condition of their lives are the amateurs who end up as mascots with their boats capsized in the river. They cannot hope to be right. At best, they can only do their best to seem right. Again, if I just surrender to the fear and the worry and the anxiety, what I'm doing is I'm allowing others to dictate how I should live. I'm allowing others' responses to my actions dictate how I should live. Option two is only marginally better. Unlike surrendering, the man who confronts his anxiety by himself has at least joined the battle. However, he is unlikely to succeed. And why is that? Well, anxiety is a powerful emotion. How can a man alone be sure that his fear and worry is not warranted by his circumstances? How do you know when it's right or it's wrong? I'll tell you that if we continue and we decide to approach it through an individual lens, it's going to be right. And why? Because we want to be right. You know, they give an example in our lesson today that says maybe a lion really is at the door. A man alone cannot provide himself with the objective counsel required to determine whether his emotions have crossed that line from healthy self-preservation into unhealthy anxiety. If I am worrying and, and living in fear, then I am working myself up. And I am turning what may very well be just a kitten into a cat. Or I'm sorry, a kitten into a lion. But if you don't like cats, maybe a cat too. You know what I mean. Option three, seeking help from another man to battle anxiety is far better. It's a major advantage arising from the shield block. One may be overpowered, but two can defend. However, if that is all a man does, then he's still acting like an amateur rather than a pro because he'll continue to try and control his anxiety than getting ready for it through preparedness. Now I want to explain this one here a little bit because think about it. One alone is not going to provide us the value that we want, but two, we may falsely believe that we are able to overcome the anxiety, the fear, and the worry that is in our life. If we think about another man that we confide into, we have to go back to the idea of choice. We make a choice as of what to share. If I am dealing with fear and worry and anxiety and I go to somebody to confide in them, then what I'm doing is I am giving them information internally to me. But the reality is there is a level of choice that is deciding how much I want to give. So yes, I may be able to slow it down. I may be able to push it off. But the reality is for that other man, they won't truly know what it is that I'm struggling with. So what do we do? Well, to truly overcome it, he must also pray. Now, anxiety is an emotion that all men can expect periodically. It's part of the flux. What is unexpected is the timing of it and the degree to which it will hinder our acceleration. 
And as a result, anxiety is a condition that has elements of both expected and unexpected. Now, we can get ready for some aspects, but we must be ready for others. And when it arises unexpectedly, it is a man who is in right relationship with his creator who is best able to withstand it. And here's why. Because he will be equipped with hope. I want to say this again because I think there's so much value to it. When anxiety arises unexpectedly, it is the man who is in right relationship with his creator who is best able to withstand it because he will be equipped with hope. Now, hope is not self-generated. It starts with a firm belief that some force outside of oneself is directing events and that the force has our best interest in mind. Through prayer, we build relationship with that force. The creator, to disabuse himself of the fatuous notion that, there, that the force is distant, uninvolved, or capricious. To have hope in the creator, man must speak to him every day through prayer. It is a positive habit. It is a positive habit. One of the bricks that comprise the hymn's guardrails, the foundational precepts that protect and incentive his acceleration to advantage. They make the difference between the pro and the amateur. Now, I pulled the majority of this information again from our lesson, and this is going to be linked in our channel. But I want to bring this to life, and I want to I ask some questions that I hope you would take some time to explore. First, does faith play a role in leadership? And if so, how? How did we get here? How did you get to where you are? And are fear and worry bad things? So as you're thinking about all of this, what this requires of us and what the premise behind this is growth. How do we grow? How do we grow as men? How do we grow as brothers through the F3 nation? And I want to share with you three laws of growth that are given to us through John Maxwell. John Maxwell is a, a former pastor. He is a leadership author. He gives us these three laws of growth, and he relates it to two key words here, potential and optimism. And he says this, potential is a wonderful word. It looks forward with optimism. It is filled with hope. It implies fulfillment. It hints at greatness. And there are three laws of growth that will help you reach your potential and become the leader you are destined to be. Now, the first one is the law of intentionality. That growth doesn't just happen. Growth isn't automatic. You must go out of your way to seize growth opportunities. A prime example of this is the brotherhood that we are creating through F3. You may need to overcome the mistaken beliefs that can create gaps between you and your fulfilled potential. And this applies not only to the fellowship, but also to our fitness. So I'm going to go through these gaps really quickly. 
First one is the assumption gap. I assume I will automatically grow. The mistake gap is I'm afraid of making mistakes. The timing gap is it's not the right time to begin. The perfection gap is I have to find the best way before I start. The inspiration gap is I don't feel like it. The comparison gap, others are better than I am. And the expectation gap is I thought it would be easier. My goodness, think of those gaps. And how many times have we told ourselves that? Now, to overcome these gaps, we have to be intentional about personal growth. Where do you want to go in life? What is the furthest you can imagine going? Then, get moving. Motivation is not going to strike you like lightning, Maxwell says. And motivation is not something someone else can bestow or force on you. Forget motivation, just do it. I think with all of this, each of these lessons, just do it. All right, the second law is the law of awareness. You must know yourself to grow yourself. You have to know who you are to grow to your potential. But you have to grow in order to know who you are. So what is the solution? And Maxwell gives us some questions. One, do you like what you're doing now? Number two, what would you like to do? Number three, can you do what you would like to do? Number four, do you know why you want to do what you would like to do? And the fifth one is, do you know what to do so you can do what you want to do? He continues on, and where can you find people who do what you'd like to do so that you can learn from them? There's a lot of do's in these questions. You may need to repeat this section. Secondly, should you do what you'd like to do with them? And are you willing to pay the price to do what you want to do? When is the soonest you can start doing what you'd like to do? And what will it be like when you get to do what you'd like to do? So really, to summarize this, he's saying, what do you want to do? Why is it the thing that you want to do? Where can you build support to be able to get you to where you need to be or where you want to be? And when can you start and what does success look like? How will you know that you're there? And Maxwell gives us this last little nugget here, and he says, to get there, you must know yourself. Again, to get there, you must know yourself. All right, the third law is the law of the mirror. You must see value in yourself to add value to yourself. Again, you must see value in yourself to add value to yourself. Now, many people fail to grow because they don't believe in the possibilities. Low self-esteem will put a ceiling on your potential. And so there's a variety of things that we can do. And, and I'm going to say right out of the gate, because Maxwell does not include this, is the F3 Brotherhood is one of the most beneficial ways that we can do that. First, guard your self-talk. Stop comparing yourself. Add values to others. Do the right thing, even if it's the hard thing. Practice a small discipline daily. And take ownership of your life. Now, there's a lot of information that came out of this first lesson. And, and I'll be honest, I could have gone on and on. 
However, I think there's a variety of lessons that we all can apply in different ways. So I want to thank you for taking the time to spend with me on this lesson. And hit me up on Slack. Let me know, at Professor Z. Did you like it? Did you not? Too long? Is it too short? This is something that I truly have a passion for and I would love to do for each of my brothers here. So I wish you all well, and I'll see you in the gloom.